Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Coffee Clutch. This is Marianne Russo. I'm so excited to have everyone joining us here tonight. We have our tweet chat open. Pierrette Tremont and Chuck Wally are holding down the fort there, so you can go over and interact and discuss the interview. Um, I know I have been gushing about this interview for weeks, but I think when we're done, you're going to understand why. Um, a savant is a person with an inexplicable talent. Uh, it is thought to be something a person is either born with or acquired um, in a neurotypical by a brain injury or a trauma. And um, as the mystery of the brain unfolds in tonight's interview, you know, I can't help but wonder, you know, is it possible that these savant skills, whether, you know, they're a miracle or a gift, you know, they're just some type of undiscovered form of awakening. And tonight you will meet one of the world's most interesting men. He is the only documented case of a musical savant skills through a brain injury. He is considered to be one of the ten most fascinating savants in the world, and his acquired musical savant syndrome uh, make him one in seven billion, and the uh, only medically documented case in, in on the planet. So Derek Amato is my guest. Derek acquired the skill to play at a level of, of a concert pianist. Um, after a diving incident, and uh, Derek had never touched a piano before. So I am very excited to bring you, um, as he's known, the Rain Man Beethoven, Derek Amato. Welcome. Hello, Marion. How are you? I'm terrific. Uh, you know, I, you, your life is just so incredible. I'm so glad that you joined us here tonight. Um, you know, I wanted to start off um, discussing, you know, your life before the incident, because you know, it had to be so dramatic. So, you know, first, if you can just tell us, what is a savant syndrome or, you know, um, um, synthanasia? Well, both of them are, are kind of interesting, obviously. The, the savant syndrome, when I was diagnosed with that terminology, I was really kind of put into a, a different little circle because, obviously, there's the prodigy of savants that are born with, with a gift, whether it's mathematical or music or what have you. And, and since I hadn't had those, the abilities, the musical abilities, until after my accident, so I was considered an acquired savant. So a totally different classification, although in the same in the same realm, if you will. Um, synesthesia is, is is where, you know, the the way that Dr. Reeves at the Mayo Clinic described it to me is is my circuitry, my wires into my brain, if you will, kind of crossed when I had my accident. And it created a, a small window of opportunity for what what I see as shapes and colors and and different um, different things that are going through my mind. My brain takes those and, and, and shapes them into musical notation, and that's basically what my hands do when I sit down to play the piano or another instrument. So synesthesia is really just another shape of of your brain taking information and forming it into. Uh, the end result, which in my case is, is music. It's incredible, you know, and they say that, <clears throat> excuse me, everyone has a different style of thinking. Um, so from what you can remember, what, you know, what was your style of thinking? Were you a visual thinker? Like, did you visualize things, which a lot of creative people do? Before my accident or after right. my accident? Right, before. Uh, before, I, I think I've always been a creative 
thinker outside the box I've always tried to be anyway. Um, certainly after my accident, it became more of a visual, just simply because these these notes were already being built and designed. So in reference to how it works, you know, it's always it's always turned on. So that little switch is, is it gives me the ability to visualize and see these musical notes going through my mind's eye. And that's, that's were, what I that's kind of how it all kid, works. When you were a kid, did you have um, a lot of music in your life? I mean, you know, what, what was your childhood like? Um, did you, you know, have any... I was a musician. I, I, I dabbled with the guitar, and I, I played guitar when I was a kid. I, I smacked the drums a little bit when I was younger. I always wanted to somehow be on the front of the stage and and of course, you know, growing up after high school, I went into regular corporate America and, and working regular jobs, and really never had the opportunity as an adult to to further my music abilities until really after my accident. But I had a, a typical growing up as a kid. I, I was an athlete. I, I really grew up playing baseball and um, and raising my little brother, if you will. And that seems to be one of your passions, too, the baseball. You know, I mean, the savant skills are, are so often associated with autism. Um, as as a child, were you ever told or do you ever remember having any type of autistic traits or presentations, or were you always just neurotypical? I think I was a neurotypical kid for the most part. Uh, I guess my mother may have different answers to that question. I'm sure she would call me all kinds of things, but um, <laughs> wouldn't they all, right? <laughs> well, you know, she she she's been my best friend through life, and and it, it's amazing how this whole, all has transpired. Because when I think back to when I was a kid, my my mother told me, and we all do, we all tell our children that they're special. But my mom told me I was a special child, and I was selected to touch people and work through people, and 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 that just stayed with me, and and it's starting to make sense now as an adult, and especially after my accident. Right, and you know, I, I, we say that all the time here on the Coffee Clutch that everybody has a gift. Absolutely. You know, and you just have to foster it. And in your case, um, you know, like I said before, it's really to me, it's like it's just an awakening. Um, but you know, you were just starting to say about, you know, you went into, um, you know, the corporate world. So, you know, before the accident, what was your adult life like? Because you weren't a musician. Um, I, I worked in telecom as a corporate sales trainer for for a few years with an amazing group of people out in San Diego. And before that, I was the public relations director for a French company called the French Foundation. And then I worked in the mixed martial arts industry as well as a as a promoter and a trainer, um, doing you know stuff. I was heavily involved in, in the mixed martial arts. I grew up in the mixed martial arts because my father was an instructor as well. So that was, you know, my, my typical work life was was really quite normal. I was very lucky to have some great experiences and learn from some amazing minds in the business world. But um, now when I look back, I'm, I, I don't know if I could ever go back to working in corporate America simply because I've got to see a whole different side of, of um, I guess my job now is, is so different. And I, I never realized I, I could have so much fun working a job. Right. It's almost like a purpose, you know. It, it is, I, I think you're right. I think it is a purpose. Yeah, it's just incredible. So, you know, let's get to the day of the accident. Because, you know, you're walking around, you know, Mr. Corporate America, and you're hanging out with your friends, and, um, you know, tell the audience what happens. We got together. I went back to visit my mother um, in the Midwest, and we got together, which we commonly, you know, always do with some, some kids I went to high school with. And we had a barbecue, and we were actually throwing a, a little one of those little tiny rubber footballs around over the water and jumping, diving in, trying to catch it. And when I dove in, I dove into the shallow end, which I just thought I could, you know, roll into the water as I was attempting to catch the football. I don't remember if I caught the football, but I did dive into the shallow end and hit the bottom. And when I hit the bottom, um, the only thing I really remember from the entire incident was a loud, like a bomb had went off. It was just an incredibly loud, um, a big bang, if you will. And it, I knew immediately that something was seriously wrong. And when I, I, I remember slowly coming out of the water, and, and the, my last memory really is thinking my ears were bleeding and looking up at my friends coming out of the water, and I, I could see them saying something to me, but I couldn't hear anything, so I was I couldn't hear anything at all. And then I, I 
somehow made my way to the edge of the pool and then I collapsed. And they took me uh, into the house. And from my understanding, I had came to a couple times during that three, four minute um, space and collapsed three or four more times by the time they were dragging me down to their apartment, which was probably, you know, 50, 60 yards from the swimming pool. And how old and are you? Really, I'm 44. Well, You're 44 now, but how that, old are you? Yeah. <laughs> well, how old were you when you, had, when you had the accident? I was 40. 40, okay. Yeah. And still hot-dogging yeah. around the pool. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, you know. I, I still <laughs> act like a kid, even when I'm, uh, right. uh, you know, an adult body. I'm still acting like a kid. I don't know if that's ever going to go away. I sure in the heck hope not. Right. Um, you know, so you weren't knocked unconscious initially, but, you know, you, you wound up that you had a concussion. So, I had a severe concussion, yes. Right, so you so you hit your head on the bottom of the pool? Is that what happened, or did you jam your neck? Do you remember? Does anybody know what happened? I hit, I hit the, well, after the result, after the, the next day, the swelling was so intense that you could certainly tell where I hit my face. I hit the top left upper part of my head, um, I guess the left upper part of my forehead, if you will, and... I you know the next day my eyes were black and and um, I kind of looked like the elephant man if you will. Right. My the left side of my head didn't look very appealing, um, and of course I was bruised and and I did kind of mess my neck up a little from the impact. And then I lost you know about almost well today it's about forty percent. My hearing is deteriorated from the impact, so I lost thirty to thirty five percent of my hearing on the initial impact. And it's slowly deteriorating. So I would imagine, you know, when my ego will let me get a grip on putting a hearing aid on, I will have to because I think my friends and family are getting tired of saying, huh, or what. They're tired of me saying, asking them to repeat themselves. Right. And, you know, concussions are so common. And you you did have a severe concussion. But, you know, they're so common. Um, You know, was there anything unusual about the injury? I mean, you said that you, um, millions of people get concussions. Um, You said that you hit your head um, on your forehead, so that would be the frontal lobes. But um, the, you know, studies of the brain scans have shown that specific parts of the brain affect musical ability and creativity. Um, Do you know what portions of the brain? I always thought that was the cerebellum. But do you know what portions of the brain and how it was affected in you? I mean, what did they tell you? Well, they told me that when I the impact from the left side of my upper head damaged it damages usually the back side, the opposite side of where the impact is. Okay. So they were looking for damage initially in the right rear lower lobe because obviously that would be the identity, that would be the opposite of my front left upper. Mm-hmm. Um they didn't they found damage to my cerebellum um in my most recent studies at the Mayo Clinic. And then I also had several um, spots on my brain that I just have to kind of watch to make sure they don't obviously grow into any tumorous situations or bleeding um, situations or something like that. But from my understanding, after watching the – they did these interesting um, scans when I was at the Mayo Clinic that basically lit up my brain in in different areas and different colors – Right. And the the left upper lobe was really uh, intensely bright. I guess if you were looking at a normal brain, it would you know the colors are a little not so bright, and there's consistency. Mine was a little more inconsistent, meaning the other colors on the other side of my brain were normal, but the left upper side of my brain was extremely bright and firing, if you will, um, just incredibly bright. Right, so that was so, called the PET scan, I would think, right, the showing the activity. Uh, that, yes, and that, and then, of course, then I did, you know, a full MRI, you know, when I was right. filming as well. So, you know, as far as far as I understand that the upper and the, the left side, left half of my brain is basically stimulated, constant stimulation. And then and, and they did make some recommendations. Um, I had my first seizure about four months ago, and... Um, they had given me, you know, some some warning that this could possibly happen, and it sure did. But I'm not willing to really. I, I really just don't want to be medicated, and not just for the fact that that maybe it'll slow the music down or stop the music. I just really don't care to be medicated, honestly. Yeah, and, well, it can um, be, yeah, it can have the cognitive dulling, but I, I would imagine this. You know, you've only had the one seizure. That's got to be yeah. really scary, though. 
It, it was a little different, and uh, it was weird because I, I didn't know really. I, I didn't fall on the ground and, and start shaking. I kind of just sat back in the chair, and my the I guess my neck and my lips kind of turned a little blue, and I, I, I couldn't talk, and my neck and the side of my face was numb. And I just was in these little shakes for about, I suppose, 30 seconds. It, was, it wasn't very long. My mother was actually visiting and was with me at the time. So I, afterwards, I felt fine. I had a headache afterwards. And uh, I took a little nap, and I, I felt totally fine afterwards. You know, and you said so that it's, it's, been it's a little scary. Yeah, you know, and, and to you know, not know what's coming. But you know, I mean, yeah. with the negatives come the positives, with everything else. Um, you know, you were saying that you go to the to the Mayo Clinic, which I mean, it's you know, world renowned. So you know, I would assume that you've been poked and prodded, um, you know, because I mean, this is just so amazing. So you know, what are they telling you? I mean, how does this happen? Because you know, what, what I'm uh, trying to figure out is, you know, you you weren't a musician, you never touched a piano, so. Right. How was this? How was this information in your brain that it could be acquired or awakened? Well, I, I use Dr. Treffert's. Um, you know, he, he's such an incredibly gifted man when it comes to savant studies and the Wisconsin Medical Society. They are definitely the the leader of the pack in savant studies. And there's some other wonderful doctors, but I've gotten close to Dr. Treffert. You know, in the last couple of years because I worked with him. Um, when I was interviewing for his book, Islands of Genius. So I I got to learn quite a bit. And he really kind of explained it, and I I truly believe it, that we we all have these gifts, and and the brain is such an undiscovered item that, that you know, this was my sixth or seventh concussion. So he believes that that certain concussion just, there was a window of space, an opportunity, and and the, the little switch was turned on, and those abilities just came to they surfaced, and and that's how I kind of look at it. I'm not as a Christian person. I I just simply tell people this is my gift from God because that's truly how I I feel. Is it was that is my gift from God. Right. But right. on on a medical, you know, on that spectrum of it, it, the only explanation we can come up with is we do believe, or I believe, after you know learning from these um, physicians that. We have this. We do have this gift, and whether it's musical or mathematical or artistic in any shape or form, it's just a matter of how we turn on that latent or that undiscovered area of our brain, so we can really utilize and um, and express those those talents or gifts. I mean, it is amazing because I mean, you see these children. You mean, you know, you see children um, on the spectrum that have these mathematical abilities. It's right. just incredible, you know. You, you give them a day, and you know that they—it's it's just incredible, you know. It's—I I don't know if anybody will ever really figure out how that happens, but um, you know, I would imagine how this unfolded must have just been so incredible for you. I mean, I can just imagine—I've always wanted to play the piano. I could just imagine one day being able to be like a concert <laughs> pianist. It must be incredible. So um, they would probably you know, freak you, out if you woke up with it. Yeah. I would be freaked out, but I mean, how yeah. cool would that be? Um, you know, you've said that within days you were aware of this new gift. Um, so, you know, tell us how that happened. You know, one day you just walk by a piano and start playing. No, I went over. I was going to get ready to go home to Colorado, and um, I was feeling better. Um, I, I, you know, I recovered quickly, but I was still groggy. And but I was definitely coming around and feeling much better after my accident about four or five days afterwards. And I went to visit my best friend, Rick, and, and he's a musician as well. And um, when, when I sat down and we were chatting, um, he had a, a piano at his, at his house, and for some reason I just, I just felt drawn. I, I felt like I had to touch it. And I sat down and played, and it was just an, it was an enormous rush because I had never saw my fingers do anything like that on the piano in my entire life, and when they just started going, um, I mean, Rick and I just sat there and looked at each other. I mean, he was in tears, I was in tears, and we sat there for the whole night, and we just kept going. I just kept on playing. It's incredible. uh, Did you play songs, or just did you have music in your head? Uh, It was just in my head. It it was just already there. It's just like right now in conversation. My mind is, I have a symphony going on right now that's just in the background as we speak. 
You, you, when you wrote um, in your email to me, you had, um, I'll quote you, you said, as I shut my eyes, I found these black and white structures moving from left to right, which in fact would represent in my mind a fluid, continuous stream of musical notation. So are you able to turn that off? Because I would imagine it, it could be maddening. It, 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 I guess it's tiring because it's like my brain is always working. So I'm, I'm always looking for ways to stimulate my mind to go different places, whether it's, you know, I, I find my peace fishing and that's, I fly fish and my, with my brother quite often. And that seems to slow me down a little bit and take me away. Um, it's still going none, nonetheless, but it seems to not be so intense or at least I'm, I'm focused on, on doing something else. And, and that goes for other things, you know, like when I'm with my children and doing things um, on that spectrum, it, it, it does deteriorate a little bit and then slows down. It's still there, and it's always going. Mm-hmm. So I have not—I haven't learned how to turn it off, and I, I'm not really sure if I want to. It's um, if you can imagine yourself walking through life with this incredible orchestration to your every step. That's what—that's what I live every day. Yeah. This orchestra is playing not only to me but for me, and and um, and I, I guess at this point I welcome it because it is. One of those things that, if it does stay with me, I guess you have to learn how to live with it and and turn it into something beautiful, and that's exactly what it is. And you also said that it's turned into almost like a recall, also that you can um, recall prior, um, you know, pieces of music, um, yes, and it's etched can, in your mind. Yes, once I play a piece, and it's and it's not all pieces. It's 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 just it's most. I'd say about seventy percent of what I play. If I play the piece right now for you, if we sat down and I didn't play it for another year and you and I sat down in 12 months, I would play that exact same piece, every every note, exactly like I played it for you the first time. Really? And, and I really wasn't aware of that until I had did uh, I, I actually did a TV interview and um, I ended up doing two interviews with the same station about a year and a half apart. And I jokingly just said to the... Um, to the journalist or the the lady interviewing me, I said, maybe I should play you that, that same piece I played for you when we met. And she said, I would like that. And I said, well, let's see what happens. And so we, we recorded everything. And sure enough, it was exactly as I had showed her the first time. Yeah. And do you play by ear? I mean, you said that you played guitar younger. Could you yes. read music? So no, you know? I, I can't read. I, I'm basically a by ear player, when, especially when it comes to other instruments. Um, but when I hear something, I mean, I can, it takes a, a quick second to figure out. I, I can figure it out in a matter of, you know, if you played a, um, anything just off the top, if you played a Joni Rivers song or something, it would take me, you know, 20 seconds, a minute to, to learn the structure of it quickly. It, it's it's pretty quick. Wow. And what yeah, about your kids? You said you have children know. and you have grandchildren. You have a grandchild. Do they have musical abilities? No, but they can dance. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, so they've got son, rhythm. That's good. They they do have rhythm, and and, and you know that they're they're music lovers. Um, my son, my oldest son, Alex, he he really has uh, a passion to mix music and and on that spectrum. You know, he likes that area of it. And then my middle daughter, Sydney, is just a, a music lover as well, and she's an incredible dancer, a real real dancer. And my youngest daughter, Morgan, she's just a large music fan. Loves They all love music, mm-hmm. but none of them musically inclined. Morgan, my youngest, has been dabbling with the piano, and we sit together every now and then and, and do, you know, play together. And she is, you know, she's, I wouldn't say she can play the piano, but I can say she's she's definitely catching on quickly. Right. Because so, but the numbers are overly... Musically yeah, I was just wondering that. if there was a genetic basis to it because you know like my grandfather could play. Um, he used to be a jazz musician, and he played right. you know by ear, and he was just phenomenal. And nobody sure. else in the family can. I mean, we can't sing, we can't you know play an instrument, we can dance, but um, you know right. none of us have that musical ability. Um, now your mom, who has yeah. been your best friend for your whole life. Um, yeah. You know, you, you you know, it's very touching when you talk about when you told her. Um, what you, had, you asked her to meet you at a store or something. I mean, she must have just flipped out. 
I didn't tell her when I got home that night um, to my mom's house because I was obviously staying there during my visit. Um, I didn't tell her that evening when I got to her house because it was late at night and she, you know, she's sleeping. I went to bed and I was just trying to absorb it all. And the next, the next morning when I woke up and we were having coffee and I said, you know, let's, I, I want to take you to the music store. I want to show you something. And she, you know, the first thing she thought is, well, what do you want to buy? You know, what would you like? Are you going to purchase something? I was like, no, I just, I just want to show you this real quick. And, um, so we we drove over to the music store and sat down at the piano and and it was it was quite comical. I mean it was it was an extremely powerful moment because I started playing and and the, her first reaction was she just started crying. I she didn't have anything to say. She just sat there and cried. And I I won't forget because the salesman came over to us and he said, um, you know, are you interested in purchasing this piano? And I said, well, absolutely not. It's it's a $50,000 piano, and I'm just here to, I don't even play the piano. I just wanted to show my mother this. And he's like, no, you know, you, you play piano. I was listening to you over there. And, and I said, no, I really don't. And he said, well, how long have you played? And I said, well, about about seven and a half hours now. <laughs> and, and and the whole time, the, the salesman thought I was messing with him. And, and, right. and still to this day, I think he still thinks I was, you know, messing with him. I don't know if he ever heard of what happened, you know, afterwards and how the rest of the story goes, but um, it was kind of comical because he refused to believe me. And uh, and my mom said, I, I, I don't know what to say. And I said, there really isn't anything to say. And I guess I got my birthday present, my 40th birthday present. Uh, you know, it was like 20 days before my birthday. So it's just the way I looked at it. And she just sat there, you know. You know, you had said, um, you know, that you had said that God decided to give me my birthday present a bit early. Um, you know, I mean, clearly this is a, a miracle. I mean, in my eyes, anyway, this is a miracle. Um, you know, has this changed you spiritually? You know, w- were you a very spiritual or religious person before, and has it changed your view on miracles and gifts? I grew up in a, in a Christian family and a pretty conservative Lutheran family in the Midwest, so I, I, I always had a strong belief in God, and, and that was really how I was brought up. And, and certainly as an adult, I continued my Christianity. But I think after my, and as far as spirituality, I, I really, I consider myself a very spiritual person. I think after the accident, what it, what I, you know, saw transpiring was. It, it humbled me to the point where I, I became a, more patient with life. I became more interested in other areas that I wasn't as interested in. I really found motivation to to work with people directly, um, especially special needs children. I, I did find the one thing that I did discover shortly after my accident was when I'm near special needs children, especially autistic children, I have this incredible um, connection. And I, I don't know how to put it into words, but when when I got to meet um, Tony Dubois, which he is a blind autistic savant, a musical genius, um, I, I didn't even know who he was. And he showed up front row center seat to watch me play at a charity and I had no idea he was going to be there and when he came up to me with his mother my first instinct I I broke down and I had this immediate emotional connection with this human being that I had never experienced in my life on a a higher level I I don't even know how to put it into words and it changes you it it really does and I I tell my friends and my family if, if you want to if you want to experience some wonderful parts of life, go spend some time at a, uh, you know, with some autistic children or Down syndrome child or, you know, it, it doesn't matter. They're, they're all amazing. But I seem to find this incredibly strong connection with, with special needs children and adults. And I think that was part of the gift. And that's the part that I consider a miracle because it has changed me as a, as a human being. 
You know, it absolutely does. And, you know, people all the time look at the negatives. And, you know, there are so many positives because, I mean, it just changes you for the better. It makes you a different human being when you when you have a child or, you know, you, you have this close connection to um, yeah. you know, a child with a special needs. And, um, you know, when you were younger, though, um, you used to coach baseball, so I'm sure that you had, you know, some children that had special needs that maybe you weren't even aware of at the time. But um, you had said that, um, you know, you were – familiar with, you know, people caring for um, others with special needs because your aunt had um, cerebral palsy and yeah. um, you used to watch your mother take care of her. We All my life, my, my mother was, you know, her closest, and, and, and they're all close. My mom's family is extremely close, but my mother seems to be the caretaker and the mediator of the family, and she always has been. But, you know, she cared for her sister throughout my whole life since I was a child. And, you know, as I as I read through my journals and I look back at growing up years, I, I really look at that as as the the stepping stones to where I am today. I believe I was put in that place and to watch my mother go through that with her sister and it just it just kind of drew me in and and as well as my brother. I mean we both have these very um intense desires to to touch people that are you know special people and and I don't look at those people with with needs as as a disability I, I it's really a whole different view for me because in in my personal view it's as close as you can get to purity right and 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 they don't know any other thing but to love and but to be pure you know the anger issues and all the little things that they deal with in their struggles those are just obstacles to me i I, I really have been, um, I guess it's softened me up to a point where I look a little deeper into these people, and it's, um, it really has become my whole design. And I, that's really what I'm, the direction I'm going is I will spend the rest of my life working with charitable causes and, and giving back. It gives you a purpose. I mean, really, it, it really does. does. And, you know, it, it, so it's giving you even more than the musical ability. I mean, it's just incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I look at the music as just a the as a bonus, you know. I really do. You know, I read somewhere that um in in some ways, you know, it it's a gift, in some ways it's a curse. And what are the negatives about this new acquired um skills that you have? Well, the negatives are <clears throat> physically, excuse me, the the physical uh is I'm I'm going deaf. I I deal with these migraines that basically knock me to the ground. I can't function with them. Um, I have to keep an eye on my uh, the changes in my my brain in case, obviously, any of those damaged areas turn into something different. Um, right. Those are the phys- physical aspects. As far as looking at it like a, um, what was the other word you called it, either a gift or a what? Um, I, I, I read Her. this in the movie right. stuff, too. Yeah, the curse. I, I don't. I don't view it like that. I, I really. I think, in order to step through life and reach other higher levels, I think you have to give, and and you may give whether it be a headache or a dollar or a broken finger. It I, it doesn't really matter what you give, but I think you have to you have to sacrifice something to step right. up to that next that next platform in life. Right. And in this situation, that's all I'm doing is dealing with some of these obstacles so I can enjoy these these other gifts that I've been so lucky to experience. And, you know, it's really taken you on a whole new path in your life. Yes. Um, Yes. You know, and I I, I remember in uh, the email that you sent me, I mean, corporate America was really not your thing. So this really uh, was fantastic for you. Um, well, I love corporate America on the aspect that it, it paid me. <laughs> I love I love the fact that they gave me a paycheck, and and it, and it was easier because when you leave your corporate job and you're going into a brand new field of work, you know I walked away from uh, not a ton of money but a, a reasonably good income, and um, life changes when when your finances change, things change, right. and I was willing to give that up because I, I I knew, I knew you know okay hey if I can go this way. And if I can simply, if I can just spend the rest of my life working with people and sharing my my personal life experience, that's exactly what I, I didn't have to second guess it. I knew it. I just knew. And it took you into the direction of a music career also. 
Yes. So, you know, yeah, why don't you I'm tell enjoying. us about that? You're into Christian rock, right? Uh, you know, I, I don't. I, I like it all. Um, as a Christian person, I definitely like a lot of the Christian stuff mm-hmm. um, because it's it's got that positive, you know, storyline around based around music. I, I enjoy that. But I, I listen to everything from Beethoven to Nine Inch Nails and everything in between. Right. Um, and your, your your CD was full circle, right? Your first yes, CD? Yes, the first that was the first one, the instrumental I did. Yes, and then the new one we're working on right now. And I've been done with the material for the new one, but we keep running into problems because I'm creating music at such a uh, uh, well, at such an enormous pace that I keep changing my mind right. on what I want to go on the album. And and then you know all these people involved with me now they're you know they get frustrated and say well no but we this is our deadline and I'm saying no you know give me you got to get you got to work with me here because I don't know what's coming out tomorrow I may come up with something way better or different and that's been going on for two years now so you know there's some people that are frustrated because of deadlines and timelines but at the same time I I think I should have that right to pick and choose as an artist what I think best displays me as as a, as a musician. Right. I mean, ultimately, so, where, what, would you, what would you like to do? Would you like to be in a band? Would you like to be a concert pianist? I mean, it's just it's just incredible. And I can imagine it's got to be really frustrating. You know, if you do something one day and it's really good, and then the next year you, you wake up and you have something great, you know? Yeah, it's, it's even better the next day sometimes, and then it slows you down. But at the same time, you know, you, you, you do work through that. I think I'd like to... You know, I'd like to really, on a larger platform, I'd like to play with Elton John someday. Mm-hmm. Um, since Oprah's only got a few shows left, it doesn't look like I'm going to get on the show. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm begging to have lunch with her because I just simply want to say hello. Um, I would like to, you know, play in a full band. I am working on some stuff for the summer that would entail working with a an enormous production, which... I can't talk about, I can't say the specifics, but I can tell you that it's with a large, large production, and I am working with autistic um, musical genius Tony DeBlois, which is like a dream come true to me. Oh, you'll so, have to keep posted on that. Yeah, oh, I absolutely will. But at the same time, you know, I, I would like to maybe do a show in Vegas possibly later on. Um I just I would like to play with other artists and and uh, somewhere and some whether it's opening for them or joining them on stage for just a song or two. So how, I'm, I'm how wide do open other at musicians receive you? Most of them kind of sit there and, and just kind of stare for a couple minutes just to get a grip on it because I only play piano with six fingers instead of ten, and that's the first thing that real piano players say to me. They always notice that right away, and they're like why are you only using three fingers on that hand? And I'm like, well, because the other two are, I don't know, lazy, sleeping. <laughs> I don't and, need them. <laughs> um, yeah, at, at this point I don't need them, although I'd like to use them. They're just not they're not functioning like the other fingers for some reason. Um, but most musicians are, are very, very um, open and, and definitely have all kinds of questions, and they're, they complement my abilities. At the same time, when I sit down with a real trained piano player, I can't I can't get enough of watching them because it's so it's almost overload for me watching them play because I'm studying what their fingers are doing, I'm studying where they're they're hitting the piano keys, and it, it seems like a whole different a whole different world to me. Right. If you were to put sheet music in front of me, I would oh, I'd probably get a migraine. I, I, I have no idea what it means. That's incredible. And um, so, I mean, other musicians are extremely receptive. Um, and and, and when, when I sit down with a, a, another musician, it, it's just extremely creative. It just goes on and on and on and on. So it, it's, it's using, I get a, I'm sorry? I was going to say, you're using all of this um, really to um, raise awareness of um, brain yes. injuries, traumatic brain injuries. Um, you know, so what charity events are you doing? You know, what are you working with? And then I want to go into, um, before we run out of time, um, you know, you, you spoke earlier about your work with Dr. Trefferts and the book um, Islands of Genius, and I was curious about that. Yes. Um, as far as right now with charitable causes, I'm, I'm involved with the National Brain Injury Foundation, um, which is founded by Lisa Jones in New York, and I, I've just become passionate about what her her life work 
and educating the general public on traumatic brain injury. Um, I, I would like to end up, you know, shooting shooting a couple infomercials, if you will, for public awareness. I, I think it's so important that we reach out and we continue educating people on 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 this situation because I think it's swept under the rug and and to to some extent, I, I think we have great things to do still. And I, I just want to be a part of it. I w- and, and if I'm going to be in the spotlight or if I'm going to be in the media, then I'm, I'm going to use my abilities to display what I believe in, and that's supporting all these different charitable causes and traumatic brain injury, autism, um, cancer. I, I, I visit, you know, the children's hospital, and, and the, the cancer children knock me to my my knees. I, that's right. my passion is to somehow make a difference in, in each of these or a little bit and um, and bring a bunch of people with me on my journey and say, come help me support this because our world needs to, to, to lift these people up and we need to educate so we can continue to give them tools to use throughout their life. Right. And, you know, because the reality of the situation is that most people with a traumatic brain injury do not have the results that you have. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> you know, so it, exactly. it is important to give back. You're very, very fortunate. Um, you know, and, and you're creating the Derek Amato Foundation. So, what is that going to be about? The the foundation, we I created this this pay it forward system that would allow us to take a percentage of the money I get paid when I go out and do speaking engagements or a performance. So we basically just took instead of paying an agent to book me, we just took that percentage and said let's just give it back. So. If it's a referral or what have you, then we make that person choose another charity of their choice, and then mm-hmm. we fund that, and then we roll it over to that. Oh, that's so great. My, my foundation is a charitable foundation that will support other charity organizations as well as funding um, struggling families financially, um, homeless, autism, brain injury. It'll, it will branch out and reach out to all of these people. And, you, know you know who you would be great to meet? The more we can I don't know meet. if you know him, but Michael um, Buckholtz? Um, he was a he was a music producer. Do you know him? No, I do not. Okay, well, Michael Buckholtz, um, he's a music producer. He's a musician, and um, he's on this. He's an Aspie, and um, he's actually just started a foundation to help um, you know families with better in financial difficulty. Um, you two would be great together. Um, well, then we should definitely say hello someday. I will make the introduction. I'll call him tomorrow. Yes. Um, you know, I wanted to get back to um, the book, Islands of Genius, because now, was this book a compilation of um, different people that have um, acquired these savant skills, or was this it just was. about it you? Was, it, was, it was about a group of people, and, and even more than that, what it was is a, it was Dr. Treffert's work on really the savant studies and what it entails and the possibilities and the endless possibilities of these gifted people. Um, and it does touch, you know, I'm, I'm just a little tiny piece of it, but there's probably eight or ten people that are, are mentioned in the book. But it really is more of a, a medically structured, um, you know, uh, reference to the study of savant. And it, it's, I'm it's have a to great read. Yeah. It really is. It's, a, it's an it eye-opening read. Great. But what I'm curious yeah. about, um, as far as that is, you know, I know that you're the only um, documented person to have musical savant skills from a brain injury, um, but others have acquired um, savant skills. Is that correct yes. from brain injuries? Yes. Did they find? Did he find any commonalities between you? At, at this point, it, it's hard to say because there's there's so little known about my situation. So you know, it's I really don't know how to answer that because. I really haven't discussed it in depth with Dr. Trefford in reference to the similarities between other acquired savants, but he has mentioned that there are some obvious reasoning or, or some purpose to our experiences that reflect similarity. So I'm going to have to read know, that book. Yeah, I think you'll find it very interesting. It's just it's well written, and, and he's just you know honestly, he's just an incredible, incredible human being, and uh, his work should be. Highly, which it is, and he is just uh, an amazing man. I've been very lucky to work with him. Well, you know, I would like to, uh, for you to tell the audience where they can keep up with you. Um, you know, where they'll be able to find your music, and you know, when you start, um, I guess once you have the new album out, you'll be making appearances. Where can uh, do you have a website that they can follow where they can uh, find out where yeah. you are? 
they can go to derekamatamusic.com and uh, and act, that actually redirect them over to my other site, which is my blogging site, because that's really what it is. It's my writings and everything on it. So they can keep and up with great. me through that. And, uh, and it's great. It's real writing. You know, I don't edit stuff. I don't have writers do it for me. I, it's, it's really, that's what I am, and that's who I am. And it, it gets a little intense at times, but you know what? I think people that take time out of their life to look into my world deserve to see the real the real me instead of all the, you know, the sugar-coated stuff, you know. So you can keep up by, you know, going through the website, com, and then, of course, we'll be announcing um, charitable events. I'll be speaking at quite a few events this summer and uh, doing some performances as well as uh, some great other new projects that are coming up that I I believe we get to announce in just a couple weeks. Okay, well, you, I'll be following you and I'll be announcing them. You know, well, I just I'm want so to say your support. before we close that, um, you know, I think that other people could have acquired these skills and used them for personal gain. And um, what you're doing is just incredible because, you know, you're taking a gift that you've been given and, um, you know, you're making a difference. So, you know, I'm just so happy that, that you're with us tonight. Thank you so much for acknowledging, and, I'm, and your words mean the world to me. Thank you. I, I'm on a mission, and I, I am going to make a change in this world. It might be a tiny one, but it's going to be something. Well, they all count. I'm surrounded I'm surrounded by wonderful people that assist me, and my friends and family and the people that look into my work are the ones that really make all this happen. I'm just the vehicle, and I guess as a team we'll, we'll continue to uh, push forward and make great things happen. Well, I wish you continued success. I'm so glad you joined us. And you Thanks. are on Facebook. Actually, that's where you found me was on Facebook. Yes, it is. So, um, you know, give Derek Amato a follow on Facebook, and he's on Twitter. Um, and really, just keep up with, with, uh, with him because he's going to be somebody to watch. So I want to thank you. I thank you very much. Thank and you, I will Marianne, make the introductions with Michael anytime. Yes, I look forward to it. Okay. And before we close, I just want to mention that Facebook has been driving me out of my mind this week. Um, they've had all of us um, update <clears throat> excuse me, our um, pages, so we are now a fan page. And I really hope that everybody comes over. We had a lot of followers on our group page, and I hope that they continue to support us over on our new Facebook fan page. We had the launch of our new website. It is fabulous. And um, I want everybody to take a look. I'm really just so pleased with it. Um, we're going to be adding a lot of resources. Um, it's going to be a place for parents to go to find resources, to find support, and hopefully to find some inspiration from the um, the hosts and the moderators of the show. So as I end the show each night, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent on the Coffee Clutch. Thank you very much, Derek. Thanks, Mary, and take care of yourself and continued success sharing what you do with everyone. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you to Pierrette and Chuck over at the chat. Have a good night, everybody. I opened the show with um, Derek Amato's um, This Time Tomorrow, and it was beautiful, and I'm going to just play a little bit of Little Things as we end the show.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.